Welcome to the Spaceport America podcast with me, Alice Carruth. I'm the Public Relations Coordinator for the New Mexico Spaceport Authority. And in this episode, we are joined by George... Let me start that one again. I can't even speak. <laughs> it's a Friday afternoon. I haven't had a day off. <laughs> Welcome to the Spaceport America podcast with me, Alice Carruth. I am the PR coordinator for the New Mexico Spaceport Authority, the state agency that runs Spaceport America here in New Mexico. During this episode, I am going to be joined by Jill Myers. She is an aviation expert and aerospace expert, so I'm really excited to be able to talk to her about what she's doing here in New Mexico and how she's supporting STEM outreach in the state, which is something I'm very passionate about. So welcome, Jill. Thank you, Alice. It's so great to be here. So let's start at the very beginning. What has drawn you to aviation and aerospace? Well, it started when I was quite young. I was raised initially in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona when I was about 11. And we, my parents were divorced, so that was why we, why we moved. But we used to go back east to see my dad every summer. And when I was 12, we went back east and my dad had a friend who lived north of Boston, and he was an inventor and a scientist and a really great guy, and he also had a small airplane. So we went there for the summer, and he said to me one day, hey, why don't we do two things today? Let's go out in my sailboat, and also I'll take you up in my airplane. So we did that, and I absolutely hated the sailing, got super sick. But we went up in his airplane, which was a Cessna 140. It's called a tail dragger because the tail is at the back of the airplane rather than right under the fuselage. And we went up for an hour of flight, and it was just the most incredible experience that I've ever felt. And so I got back to Arizona and was about a mile from a small airport, the Scottsdale Airport. So I used to bike to the airport when I was a kid all through my teenage years just hanging around the airplanes and, and really loving it all and ended up uh, starting flying lessons as soon as I turned 17, which is the youngest age you can be in the United States to obtain a private pilot license. So I got my license in my senior year of high school and then joined the Air Force. They didn't let me fly because, you know, they looked at me and said, well, you're a girl and we, we don't do that. This was back in the 1970s. But I joined anyway because I just really wanted to be around airplanes. And so I've never flown professionally, but while I was in the military, I had the opportunity to go back to college courtesy of the Air Force and got my degree in aerospace engineering. And what prompted that was in 1981, the first space shuttle went up. And I was just enamored with the whole space program and had the initial goal to be an astronaut, which, of course, did not happen but ended up getting my degree in aerospace engineering and stayed in the Air Force a little longer and then got out and have spent the rest of my career uh, working on design, development, manufacture of various platforms, uh, mostly aircraft, a couple spacecraft, and one Navy ship in an odd turn of events during <laughs> my career a while back. That's a pretty fascinating way to get into aerospace and aviation and I'm so pleased that you had the opportunity to be exposed to it at a younger age. What brought you to New Mexico? What brought me to New Mexico was an incredible opportunity but I have to back up a hair to put it in context. 
So I had been in the corporate world for quite some time after leaving the military, and I had the opportunity really of a lifetime, if you will, in 2017, and it's a whole long story we probably don't have a ton of time for, but I'll let you decide on that, Alice. But in early 2017, in January, in fact, um, I read an article in the Women in Aviation International magazine, and we'll talk about the WAI organization, I'm sure. But WAI puts out a magazine, and in January of 2017, they ran an article about a young Afghan refugee named Shasta Ways, who was getting ready to depart later that year on a solo flight around the world in a very tiny airplane. And her whole mission was to hold events around the world and inspire young girls because she had an amazingly inspiring story herself. And she wanted to get up there and say, you know, you can be brave and don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. And if I can become a professional pilot being, you know, born in an Afghan refugee camp, you know, you can also be brave. So she ended up asking me to help her with her mission. So I ended up quitting my job, quitting a very high-level, incredible job in the aerospace defense industry, working on the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter Program. And spent most of 2017 working for her nonprofit organization called Dreams Soar, and was her primary support person handling the logistics for her flight around the world, but also uh, leading the planning of all of her outreach events. We ended up doing 32, if I recall, outreach events uh, in 14 countries. And, you know, when that was over, it was just the most incredibly rewarding thing I've ever done, which I did um, with, with no salary. So once that was all over uh, and I supported Shasta for a little bit longer handling her speaking engagements, but I needed, you know, an income again, to be quite honest. So people have constantly been telling me I should be a consultant. They kept saying, you know, you have such an amazing wealth of experience, you know, because I've worked for large companies like Boeing and Raytheon, and I've worked for tiny startups, and I've worked on commercial aircraft and military and piloted and unpiloted or remotely piloted. And so I decided to try consulting. So I started a consulting business in the spring of 2018. I was living in San Diego at the time. I was there for about five years. And I, in a roundabout way, ended up being asked to come to Albuquerque that spring to pitch an idea for a new aviation company to an entrepreneur here in the city. And that didn't go very well. However, the entrepreneur pulled me aside afterwards and said, hey, I'd like to start an airline. Will you help me? (laughs) So I ended up moving to Albuquerque in early 2019 to help this gentleman put together a concept for a small commuter airline that would would have serviced the business community primarily to to solve two problems in New Mexico that are that are pretty frustrating to the business community and, and to, to the public as well. One is that you cannot fly easily from places like Albuquerque to Tucson without changing planes in Phoenix. You can't fly to Amarillo without changing planes in Dallas, it goes on and on. You also can no longer fly easily without paying an enormous amount of money to a small operation. You can't fly from Santa Fe to Hobbs. You can't fly from here to Las Cruces. There's just no airline service for these these second and third year cities. So that's the problem that this gentleman was trying to solve. So I ended up moving here with the goal of being CEO and president 
of this new airline, we worked on it really, really hard for two full years. And unfortunately, uh, the project got shut down last July, a year ago, uh, due to our inability to find investors, which was partly impacted, obviously, by the coronavirus really hurting our industry. So I've been here for two, a little over two years just doing various consulting work for various clients and just really enamored with all of the aviation and aerospace that's actually going on in New Mexico. There's a lot more than people are aware of for the most part. That was going to be my next question. How much were you aware of our history here in New Mexico when it comes to aviation and aerospace before you moved here? I knew a little bit only because I did live here once before. I lived here for only 10 months which was actually due to – had to leave because of, of health issues. But I lived here in 2005 and six, working for a company very well-known here in Albuquerque called Eclipse Aviation. I was working up at Boeing in Seattle. I was at Boeing for about six years altogether. And I got a call from the recruiters at Eclipse Aviation inviting me to come and interview. So Eclipse Aviation, which is now – I think it's going to go through a whole nine lives like cats do. It's on its third life right now. But Eclipse Aviation is, was a phenomenal company trying to build what at the time, 15 years ago, was going to be called the first very light jet, the VLJ, which was going to be a very small uh, twin-engine aircraft that held six passengers that would fly up at the same altitude as the airlines. And it was a phenomenal design. It was a great concept. <clears throat> the company, unfortunately, didn't survive uh, the first time. But I ended up working for them for a bit. So I knew a little bit about what was going on in New Mexico regarding my industry. But I have to tell you, having left and then come back 15 years later, it, it's miraculous what has happened in that time frame. You know, there's, of course, what's going on down at your end of the end of the world at Spaceport America. and But there's also an incredible amount of aviation and aerospace really throughout the state. You know, a lot of it is centered here in Albuquerque. There's probably between 30 and 40 aerospace and aviation companies with offices in Albuquerque, not necessarily headquartered here, although a few of them are. But there, there's a lot of really awesome technology going on here. Um, and, you know, we, we, can, we can talk about a few of them if you like, but there's, there's a lot going on here. And a lot of it is that it is inexpensive comparatively to do business here. Um, especially having come from Southern California where, you know, it is ridiculously expensive for businesses to operate in California with tax bases and all of that. Um, and the weather here cannot be beaten. And, you know, there, there's also a benefit, as I'm sure you well know, for the space launch community of launching from the altitude that we have at Spaceport because, you know, you're almost a mile up and, there's a tagline that's been around for many years that the first mile is free because if you're launching from here as opposed to launching from Florida or Texas or California, you know, you're not having to burn fuel to get to that first mile of altitude. So there's a lot of financial and environmental and um, just really a lot of benefits to, to having space space launches and space activity coming out of New Mexico. But there's a lot going on just on the pure aviation front. There's some avionics companies here. There are um, there's a lot going on in the DOD world, especially with ties to Air Force Research Lab and Sandia Labs. 
there is an amazing company in Moriarty and Roswell both called Sky, S-C-E-Y-E, that's building an airship that will provide broadband communications, among other things, up at the stratosphere and stay up for very, very long durations. There's just a whole lot of really cool things going on here. I really think you've, you nailed it there. Uh, we are really a place for space, and that's one of the things that I'm always talking about. It's not just Spaceport America. We've built up this great ecosystem across New Mexico for aviation and aerospace. And I think there's actually 100 different companies that are operating out of the whole state that have some kind of wow. aviation and aerospace link, which is huge for such a small state in terms of population. And that brings me to my next question. Definitely. You've been working with one of our representatives, Diane Hoffman V. Hill. Are you able to talk to us a little bit about what it is you're doing with her? I, I can, and I'll, I'll first tell you the story of how we met because it's, it's a fascinating story of how we ended up partnering together. So when I was still in California and coming here to Albuquerque monthly, when I started a consulting contract with this entrepreneur to start the airline, one of the times I came here, which was July of 2018, uh, the entrepreneur, his name is Stuart Rose, by the way. I don't need to keep referring to him by not his name. His name is Stuart Rose. And Stuart had me come to Albuquerque every month, and we would just, you know, check on progress of our, of our startup. And in July of 2018, I came here, and Stuart and I went to see quite a few businesses that he had alliances with to say, hey, if we started this airline, would you guys use it? How many people would you fly from Albuquerque to, you know, city XYZ? And, you know, it was just a feasibility assessment. And one of the places that we went was Rody Law Firm. And Rody Law Firm is, I think, the largest law firm in the state. And we were up in this super high altitude conference room. <laughs> I think they're in the tallest building in Albuquerque, uh, chatting with the uh, executives at Rody. And one of them is Chuck V. Hill, Charles V. Hill. And as we were making our greetings, uh, Chuck said, I hope you all don't mind, but I invited my wife to come to this meeting. Her name is Day, and she works down the street, and she happens to be an aviation attorney. And I first thought, you got to be kidding me. They're so rare. There's an aviation attorney here? So in the room walks Day Hockman V. Hill, and that's how we met. So actually, we I hired her first. Um, as our FAA regulatory attorney on contract to help us with the FAA certification of the airline we were trying to start. And then we just got to be friends. And then once I moved to Albuquerque, March 2019, you know, we obviously saw each other more frequently. And we were at lunch one day two years ago, the summer of 2019. And, you know, as not everyone knows, even in New Mexico, um, legislators do not make any salary here. We're the only state in the country with that unfortunate situation. So it's a volunteer legislature. So Day and I went to lunch one day, and she was just really a little bit flustered that day. And, and you know, she, was, she had just been elected the prior November, so she had just uh, finished the first half year of her first time in the legislature. She is the House representative for District 15 here in Albuquerque. And she said to me, you know, I'm trying to balance being a legislator and I'm a full-time attorney and I have a husband and family and it's just insane. So she said, I need to hire an assistant. And I said, well, what kind of help do you need? And we started chatting. And by the end of that lunch, she had hired me. 
So on paper, I am Day's assistant and her constituent services director. And what I do for her is primarily try to help manage her calendar and, you know, her legislative emails. And my primary role is to help her not only balance all of that, but handle constituent issues that I can do at my level, you know, with, without the clout of, of her handling it directly. So, you know, for example, you know, we've had a lot of um, constituents come to us asking for help with unemployment, for example, especially with COVID. So, you know, we have a process defined between the two of us where I have the authority to, you know, contact those constituents and get them to the right person for help and things like that. So, um, <clears throat> so I handle, I handle a lot of her communications. I handle her calendar, which is, you know, events coming in on her calendar from many, many different sources. Um, I also do photography at all of her events because I do a lot of photography. I've been doing it my whole life. So I try to get to all of the events that she's at and photograph them for her. I also handle all of her social media. So I am the one behind the scenes um, working on her Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts, her professional ones, obviously. So that's, that's kind of the sum, the sum of what I do. But it's fun, it's fun being partnered with Day because we sometimes will go and attack uh, aviation projects together. For example... Uh, she drafted a piece of legislation last year, which was House Bill 69, which was a bill to help regulate operations and safety of people flying uh, unmanned air vehicles, drones. And because I have a lot of experience in the unmanned, as I prefer to call it, remotely piloted world, she asked, she asked me to lead the team of a working group to help craft that legislation. So it's an example where a lot of my technical experience actually can help her sort of doing her day job as a legislator. And we really appreciate all the work that Day does in terms of aerospace support. She actually helped us with the informed consent bill that went through earlier this year as well. So we want to have a big thank you for that and for helping you out. Now, I can't carry on with this interview without mentioning how much you do for STEM outreach and particularly to encourage girls into aviation and aerospace. What really makes you become an advocate for women in aviation and aerospace? Why do you encourage women into these careers? Well, I do it for a couple of reasons, and I've been doing it for over 20 years. The primary reason I do it is because aviation and aerospace is such an incredibly exciting and phenomenally diverse industry in itself. You know, if you just look at the range of things I have been fortunate enough to work on, you know, as I alluded to earlier, you know, I've worked on very small business aircraft. I worked on satellites back in the day. I've worked on military reconnaissance aircraft. I worked on the most advanced fighter jet ever built. You know, I've done a lot of the communication systems on Air Force One. I've done a lot of really different things. And you can do that in our industry. There's so much there's so many verticals, as we call them, of, of different slices of the airspace and aviation world, and they're just such exciting, ridiculously fun jobs. And the second reason is, of course, the devastatingly low percentage of women in all of the fields. And I'll toss out just a couple of the numbers, and some of these are very recent because the FAA for the pure aviation ones has recently released their statistics as of 2020. But the number of female licensed pilots in the world, 
is 5.9%. And if that's not devastating enough in itself that 6% of the pilots are women, what will bring people to tears is that the percentage of female pilots in 1965 was 4%. So it's only gone up 2% in all these decades. And in my own official field of aerospace engineering, we're now at about 13, maybe 14% female. Uh, air traffic controllers are at about 16%, and the number has not moved in at least 20 years. And my favorite and saddest statistic is, and it's one of the coolest careers you can have, uh, the percentage of females that are aircraft mechanics just dropped to 2.5%. So a lot of the outreach I do is to try to get these numbers, you know, a little more balanced to the fact that we're half of the population women. Um, and I do that through several different methods. One is that I've been mentoring individual young women and girls for many years. I'm usually mentoring anything between four and six people at a time, which is some of the most rewarding stuff I do. Um, the second thing is I've been a keynote speaker since 2014, I guess, um, doing presentations all over the place. And one of the most fun ones I did actually was here in New Mexico before COVID. I was invited in 2019 to be the keynote speaker at a very large STEM event that takes place every year at the Roswell International Air Center, where I was a keynote speaker for an event that brought in 3,500 students. If I recall, they were mostly middle school, but also some high school and got to be the, the keynote speaker to talk about, about aviation to those kids, which was super fun. And then the other thing I do, which I mentioned earlier, is there is there's quite a few organizations I am a member of, but I've been a member of Women in Aviation International, WAI, for, I believe, 20 years now. And I've been chapter president. Before moving here, I was chapter president twice. And WAI is a phenomenal organization. We have about 140 chapters, I believe, around the globe now. There's something like 14,000 members, I think. And WAI does a lot of networking and education and scholarships, tons of scholarships, and provides outreach also for, for women of all ages. And by the way, we do have male members. When I ran my chapter in San Diego for almost four years, we had about 15% male membership, which was super great. And what was interesting, which is actually how I got connected with Virgin Galactic and Spaceport, is when I moved to Albuquerque two years ago and I went to change my address in their database, I was like, wow, there's no chapter in New Mexico. You've got to be kidding me. So I called the headquarters folks, and I know them fairly well after uh, being connected with them for so long. I called WAI and I said, are you serious? There's not a chapter anywhere in New Mexico. And they said, no, there's never been one. And WAI has been in business for, I think, 32 years now. And with everything going on here, I thought, how can there possibly not be a chapter here? So I started one and I started the chapter uh, officially putting it together and getting what they call provisional status uh, in November of 2019, and provisional status meant that we hadn't yet finished all of the state paperwork to become an official 501c3 organization, which we then finished that last June. But 
I'm very, very, very proud of the chapter we've started. Uh, we have almost 70 members now after a year, a little over a year, and never having an in-person event yet because of COVID and how tight the restrictions are here. But it was interesting because I had been connected with someone at Virgin Galactic, uh, one of the lead executives there, Jason Lasich. I've been connected with Jason for about two years. And we met for lunch one day in Truth or Consequences just to talk about Virgin Galactic stuff. And I told Jason I was thinking of starting this chapter, and he said, you know, please, please keep me posted because we would love to be involved. So Virgin Galactic ended up inviting – actually, Day Hoffman Vigil came with me. We both went down to, to Spaceport and spent some time at Virgin Galactic. I believe it was in October of 2019 – and I did a whole presentation on women in aviation and the history of and the future and everything. And they did a presentation on um, jobs in aviation that women may not think about, like her being an attorney and being a legislator. And we did this really great uh, presentation, the two of us, to, to all of the women at Virgin Galactic who had at that time either been hired organically within New Mexico or had already transferred over from Mojave. And it was a really amazing time. And then Virgin Galactic really was phenomenal in being our first corporate sponsor. So I'm really proud of the fact that we started this chapter. I turned the presidency over to a friend of mine uh, after the first year who actually was in my chapter in San Diego and moved here after me. She's a Marine Corps pilot, just amazing young woman. So she's the chapter president now, Jacqueline Nichols. And we're hoping to do in-person events very soon. And we have a Girls in Aviation Day event scheduled on September 25th, which is the annual Girls in Aviation Day for this organization. They try to do an event in every chapter all over the world. And I, I, I don't know how many participants last year there were, but something like 20,000, I think. And it's for girls ages 8 to 17 to get them really excited and inspired about the career fields that we have. So it's a very long answer to your question. Um, no, that's really – I'll let you – It's a great answer to the question. So how will people get involved if they're interested in, in learning a little bit more about women in aviation international? They can go to our chapter website, which is wainewmexico.com, all one word, um, the headquarters organization, if you will, is just WAI.org, and either of those websites will, will give you all the, all the information. And this is the scholarship cycle, so let me just chat about that for two seconds. So WAI is giving out probably a half a million dollars in scholarships this year. The scholarships are posted on WAI.org, and the deadline to apply, I haven't looked yet because they just posted them this month, but it's usually mid-November. And just to give you an idea, let's do, let's do a pre-COVID number just because the sponsorship of the scholarships was reduced somewhat because of COVID last year. But in 2019, WAI handed out about 120 scholarships, totaling, I believe, $800,000 at the time, if not more. Wow. But uh, what I love about WAI is they promote every single possible corner of aviation. So... If you look at that scholarship list online, Alice, what you'll see is there's scholarships for obviously flight training, but there's scholarships for air traffic control or to be an aircraft dispatcher, one of my favorite careers that most people don't know exists. There's management scholarships. There's aerospace engineering scholarships. There's a scholarship for almost for maintenance, for almost anything you want to do in aviation and space. And the only requirement to apply is you must be a member of WAI. Uh, which is 
really affordable. It's $45 a year for professional and I think $32 a year for full-time students. And you can apply to up to three scholarships, I believe, this year. And there's really no reason not to do that. So there, there's a lot of financial support available because one of the biggest barriers to especially young people who want to get into aviation, of course, is cost. You know, learning to fly, especially if you want to be a commercial professional pilot, it is very expensive. Um, so the scholarship world is really out there. There's another organization called the 99s that was co-founded by Amelia Earhart that also has a significant scholarship program. It's for pilots only, for female pilots only, but they do a lot of scholarships as well. So one of the other reasons that I like to do all the outreach I do is I don't just mentor women and girls. I also try to help them navigate through these career paths, whether it's helping them apply for scholarships. I can't tell you how many letters of recommendation I've written in the last 10 years for people who I think have all gotten the scholarships I've, I've written letters for. Um, you know, I also do a lot of mentoring of, of women that are already in the, in the field, whether that's to help them with how to succeed in their current role, how to network to get into different roles. Because, you know, to me, it's really all about networking and all about, you know, connecting people. I've been told I'm like a great connector of people, but it's, it's really my favorite thing to do. You know, there's nothing like, uh, I'll give you an example of sort of mentoring, connecting combo. I had a young girl in my WAI chapter in San Diego who was in high school, and she came to, she was a chapter member, and she came to me one day, and she's like, you know, Jill, I just really can't decide what I want to do. You know, part of me wants to be an airline pilot, and part of me wants to maybe join the Navy. And I said to her, well, why don't I introduce you to one of each, and you can go have coffee with these ladies and chat with them and ask them what it's really like not just reading a job description on the internet. And she did that, and, you know, it helped her decide what, what to do and how to go forward. Um, I had a young woman that I helped get into Navy flight school, and part of that was introducing her to a very senior woman that I know in the Navy who's been in for over 20 years. And that particular person who's now um, a captain in the Navy actually helped her navigate her path as well. So it's all about getting young people, especially young people, but really any anyone of any age, the help that they need to really get where they want to go. And it's my most favorite thing that I do, and I wish it was a paying job because I would do it full-time if it paid. Well, you are recognized as one of the most influential women in aerospace and aviation on LinkedIn. So if anybody is interested in finding out more, do find Jill's profile on LinkedIn and follow her because she's definitely worthwhile. I have been stalking her for a long time. In fact, we only met for the first time <laughs> at Spaceport America on July 11th during the Virgin Galactic flight. Can I ask you, how did you find that experience watching the first uh, crewed flight from Spaceport America with Sir Richard Branson on board? Oh, Alice, it was, it was indescribable. I was, you know, so honored to, to get the invite from Virgin Galactic. And there were, there were really two phenomenal things for me to be there. Um, the lesser interesting part was just the VIP experience, which was, you know, beautifully handled by Virgin Galactic as an organization. But the aerospace engineer geek in me <laughs> was enamored and completely stunned at seeing the vehicle take off in person. You know, it's one thing to see the launches on TV because I never miss any of any any of anybody's launches on TV. But, you know, again, as an aerospace engineer, when you look at the combined system of VMS Eve, the, the mothership carrying 
the spaceship too under it. When you when you watch that thing take off, you know the engineer in me is just mesmerized that number one it gets off the ground, <laughs> number two that it gets to altitude, you know, and then to be able to see the vehicle separation when the spaceship is jettisoned off of the carrier hits the rocket, then goes vertical into space. I mean, and you can see it from the ground, even though it happens at 45,000 feet, to hear the double sonic booms live <laughs> on the tarmac there. And then, of course, to see both of the vehicles land. Um, you know, it's, it's really, it really was indescribable how it felt. And, and a lot of it, too, I think, was because I've been following the space program my entire life and because I've been in the industry so long, to see – a spacecraft that can take off on a runway and land on a runway, which has been one of the goals since the shuttle program started. You know, the shuttle, of course, had to go up attached to a rocket and then lands like an airplane. But we've all been hoping for something like Virgin Galactic's design for a very long time. And to see it in person and to see also the reaction of everyone there, especially, I got to tell you, you know, again, I've been collaborating with, with quite a few folks at Virgin Galactic for two years. And, and by the way, it was amazing to meet you and Scott in person finally. Um, but to stand there in the VIP viewing area and see all of the Virgin Galactic employees, you know, jumping up and down and crying and hugging each other, knowing how hard they've all worked for so long on this vehicle design and getting the – uh, passenger experience and the astronaut experience all worked out. It was it was really just indescribable, and I will never forget that day. I'm really pleased that you were as excited as I was. I was actually stood with students at the time from the Las Cruces Public School System, and watching them jumping up and down and getting excited gave me hope for the future of what we're going to be seeing here in New Mexico. What do you see as the future of aer aerospace and aviation in our state? Well, I think it's really... It's endless, the possibilities, you know, because of all of the advanced technology going on here, some of which I've already mentioned, um, I think, you know, as we like to say in my industry, the sky is not the limit. And I think that the more that we all work together to promote what is possible here and the fact that it's also just a lovely place to live, you know, it, it, I just think New Mexico is such an unknown to people. And, you know, it's funny, um, I lived in Seattle early in my career when I left the military, and Seattle, when I first lived there, was still what I call the tree-hugging granola crowd, um, fairly small population. And then all of a sudden, word got out how great Seattle was, and, like, all of Northern California moved there, and then it got crazy. So I don't want, like, the world to flock and move here and make it, you know, trafficy and crazy and, and really crowded. But i got to tell you, New Mexico really is a phenomenal place to live. You know, it, having lived all over the world, I will tell you that the people here are naturally – nicer and more kind and more generous than anywhere I think I've ever lived. Um, the food is amazing. Um, the, co the number of independent coffee houses and breweries is, is, is mind-blowing. You know, there's a lot of healthy eating here now, which there wasn't when I lived here long ago. Um, it's a very organic market, organic restaurant, farm-to-table kind of community now. So there's so much to bring people to Albuquerque. Oh, and by the way, you can have a great job in aviation and aerospace while you're here. And I do know that there's a lot of people 
like De Hockman v. Hill, working very hard in the legislature to make sure that she always talks about, you know, diversity of revenue to to try to make other revenue sources for the state of New Mexico and not have us be so dependent on oil and gas. It's one of her huge platforms. And obviously with her background, she's using aerospace and aviation as much as possible toward those ends. Um, I'm also friends with Casey Anglada Durag. Casey Durag is the founder and CEO of a nonprofit called New Space New Mexico, which is an organization working very hard to connect, for example, universities with companies who have jobs, um, to connect other aerospace companies to try to draw them to New Mexico. And she actually got initial funding from uh, Day Hockman v. Hill being able to get capital outlay funds for her to start her organization a couple years ago. So, number one, it's a very small community, and we're sort of all connected, as, as you're hearing. But there, there is just so much opportunity here, I think, both in pure aviation and in aerospace. You know, all of the companies that are operating out of Spaceport America, you know, most people think it's just Virgin Galactic. Obviously, it's not. There's companies like Spin Launch and just other companies doing great stuff down there. So I just think that we all just need to keep talking about it publicly and call our friends and and do as as much professional outreach and networking as we can. Um, I'm also working on some side projects to help advance aviation opportunity here in the state. I really can't talk about them yet, but I'm, I'm happy to share them with you when I can. But I'm trying to help build a better pipeline from a 16-year-old who wants to get into the industry through school, into jobs, and trying to do all of that without having to leave the state. It's one of my big goals. Um, so I have different projects I'm working on in various pieces of that education and career pipeline. And, again, organizations like Women in Aviation, um, also EAA has a chapter here, which is the Experimental Aircraft Association. EAA is headquartered at Oshkosh, Wisconsin, but there's a chapter here that does a lot to do outreach as well with young kids. In fact, our Girls in Aviation Day event for Women in Aviation is going to be done in concert with EAA at the Double Eagle Two Airport in September. So there's just a lot of opportunity, I think, to try to share to the world what we're doing and try to, number one, get more, more industry here, but also give people more opportunity to live and work here and stay in the industry and not have to leave the state, for example, to get an education or to get a job. Jill, can I just say I am so pleased you are here and you are speaking to my heart. I've been working with the Bridge of Southern New Mexico for exactly the same thing, that pipeline from education into career. So I do think we're, I'm looking forward to working with you and seeing how we can develop that across the entire state. Thank you so much for joining me on the Spaceport America podcast. And hopefully we can bring you back when you can tell us a little bit more about your projects that are going to be coming up in the next year. I would love to, Alice. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Proudly produced by LasCrucesToday.com and Bravo Mike Communications.